today I want to share on different levels of anointing. Different levels of anointing. We have been looking at the Great Commission at this conference. And um, we be, I, my particular segment is on supernatural anointing. Because without the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, it is impossible, first of all, to live the Christian life. And secondly, to fulfill the Great Commission. It is impossible. I didn't say it is hard. It is impossible to live the Christian life according to the Word of God and to fulfill the Great Commission without the supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we see so many inconsistencies in the lives of God's people because they do not experience the reality of the power of the Holy Spirit upon their lives on a daily basis. You know, when the Lord was being tempted, he said this, Man, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, he was quoting Deuteronomy, I think, 8, 3. And what our Lord was showing us is this, is that every single day, we need a fresh word from God in order to function in a healthy manner as his people. Just like you need daily bread to negotiate life naturally. You need spiritual bread, the word of God, which is supernatural on a daily basis for you to function the way you have been ordained. Yeah. And so the supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life as a child of God is something you must covet after. It's something that by the time you leave this conference, you will be pursuing as a normal part of your life. Yeah. All right, so Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Let's just go over a few ground rules on what we've already been sharing. The Great Commission, and Jesus came, New King James Version, came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This great commission, like we said yesterday, has five components. The first thing is the authority to disciple people. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Authority simply is the right to exercise power. And all authority means that every kind of right that we need to exercise, any kind of power has been given to, to the Lord Jesus, which he now delegates to his church. So on the basis of that, the second component, go. Go and make disciples. In other words, we must share the gospel. 
we must go into our world and share the gospel. The third component, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, beloved, baptism is so important because it speaks to us of the internal work of God that we are expressing outwardly through the waters of baptism. Now, of course, we know what that name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is. It's the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, which the apostles exercised when they baptized people. And then he said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, which simply is the fourth component of this great commission. And that is we are to teach people out of the life we have received from the Lord, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Again, beloved, this is why it is so important that you have a dynamic relationship with Jesus. You know, don't think that because a person is a church leader, they are walking with Jesus. I'm telling you, there are many people who stand behind pulpits and don't know the Lord at all. They don't know the Lord. You want to know who knows the Lord, look at the fruit of their life. I have decided that some of these things are so simple that I'm going to stick to it. You look at someone like Bishop Les Isaac. The fruit of his life shows us the example of servant leadership. It's not in how big street pastors is. It's great. It's amazing. But that's not what we look at. We look at the servanthood that this man has carried all the years we have known him. That's, that's, that's the kind of people we want to learn from. That kind of example. And I think we should celebrate the man of God. I think we should celebrate the bishop. Yeah. So teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So as a child of God, and beloved, this is the commission to everybody who calls themselves a disciple. So you and I are to show people and to impart to people what we are receiving from our Lord Jesus. And then he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, the fifth component, which is partnership. And knowing the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is the Great Commission. Now, our Lord also says in John 20, 21, As the Father sent me, so send I you. And we established in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, that when the Lord was sent, he was sent under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, when the Lord was sent, a lot of what the Lord did was deliverance ministry. The healing ministry of the Lord, a lot of it was deliverance. Because Satan is oppressing so many people. So many people. And let me tell you, our world now is more occultic than it was in his day. Yeah. Because some of you, you haven't really seen much. And, you know, in these teachings, I'll give a few testimonies. You haven't seen much 
in, the, in, in our churches, some of you recent ones, and some of the things that we do, you don't see it because it's done behind closed doors. So you're not aware of the reality of deliverance ministry, casting out evil spirits. Some people think it's, it's hocus pocus. We have seen the power of God. We know what we're talking about. And if you want to challenge us, we can go to a room together and show you something. Some of you have heard this testimony. I'll never forget it. In front of non-Christians, when they said to me, prove the power. And I said, okay. And I told the demons inside of them to manifest. And they started screaming like mad people. Yeah, I said, okay. They said, prove the power. I said, okay. You manifest. That's what they started doing. And the friends were like, what is going on? Now, there was no power suggestion because they didn't know what I meant. The next one, we touched him. He said, you're burning my head. It's the demons. It's just his hand. I said, touch this hand. This hand is not burning anything. You want me to try again? Go on then. The next one, I said, ah, no, no, no. No, no, it's all right. And that was how my brother Alfred got born again, when he saw that power. So we know what we're talking about. And what I want you to understand is, is this, that this gospel that we're talking about is supernatural. It's just that many of us are not even allowing the Holy Spirit room to begin to work on us. So we are forever at the periphery. Today, I want to show you the different levels of anointing that exist for the believer. But before I do that, I have a few questions I want to ask you. The first question is this. And if you are right, taking notes, you can write this question down and meditate. These are questions for personal meditation. First one is a very simple question. Are you willing to obey the Great Commission? Are you willing to obey the Great Commission? Am I willing to obey the Great Commission? That's the first question I want you to consider. The second question is, uh, am I reproducing Christ in others? Somebody said, that's not my responsibility. Leave it to Jesus. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples. It didn't say, Go and let God make disciples. Go and make disciples. You make disciples. So the question you have to ask is, am I reproducing Christ in others? The third question I want you to ask yourself is, who am I currently discipling? Who am I currently discipling? This is a question for all of us. All of us. You know, Bishop Les mentored and discipled me as a young leader for many years without me realizing that's what he was doing. And that's one of the best ways of discipling people. It's only when you grow up, it's only when your children grow up that they realize, wow, my parents really tried. Whilst they're growing up, they just think, when all, they only remember the nose. No, you can't have the, the cookies. No, you can't have the extra football after you have five. No, you can't have this. No, you can't. That's all they remember. But when they grow up and they start having a family, then they say, Dad, how did you pay for those bills? Dad, how did you do this? Dad, how did you do that? And it's the same in ministry. It's the same in ministry. Who are you discipling? 
And another question you can ask yourself is, those that you claim to be discipling, what would they look like in five years? Based on your input. Based on your input. Beloved, we have a very deliberate strategy as far as this church is concerned. Our strategy is simple. We want to make sure that anybody who calls himself a member of this church has no excuse on the last day to say that this ministry did not cater for them to be a disciple of Christ. They will have no excuse to say that in this ministry, we didn't give you the opportunity to bear fruit. You can't have that. You can't have that excuse. Yeah. But what would you look like in five years? I am believing that in five years' time, out of this one conference, at least 50 churches would have been birthed because of this conference. I am totally believing that. That because of this one conference, 10,000 souls will come to a saving knowledge of Christ. I'm believing that. I don't care whether you say amen or not. I am believing that. We have told the Father out of this one. I'm believing that. 50 churches, 1, 2, 3, 14, 48, 49, 50 out of this church. And some of you will be the pastors of those churches. Yeah, whether you say amen or not, we declare it over you. It is so. <laughs> Another question. Will you be able to realize the goals in your life without the power of God? Whatever goals you currently are, are pursuing. Whatever goal. Because let me tell you, you can do many mighty works without the power of God. Yeah. There are many mighty things you can do in life without the power of God. But there is only, the, the only thing you can do with, that will show that you have the power of God is where Christ is being formed in people as a result of what you're doing. That is when you know that the power of God is active in what you are doing. I tell you, beloved, there's a lot of sand that people are building. Sand castles. Sand castles. Big monuments. But they will not stand the test because when the slide rule of Christ is used as the standard, it has no bearing. Whatever you are pursuing, can you do it without the power of God? You see, it's going to take the power of God to cause 50 churches to be birthed out of this one conference. It's going to take the power of God to take this motley crew here and plant 196 churches in 196 nations. And plant 10,000 churches in the world. Churches that will last us from generation to generation. We know Jesus is coming soon, but I still saw a vision of CLF 300 years in the future. That's the truth. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. 300 years in the vision, I saw 300 years in the future. And I saw the earth 300 years in the future. And Satan having a rampage on the earth. All I'm saying is, we are going to build so that the next generation has a leg to stand on. This world, the way it's going, we are going to need the power of God. You're going to need the power of God. For those of us hoping to be raptured before it all happens, let's hope you're right. We will be glad to be out of here. But just in case, you better be ready for what's coming. Another question. 
How does my life reflect the Great Commission? You see all your pursuits, all the things that you're doing. How does it reflect the Great Commission? Because, beloved, the Great Commission is the reason why we're here, you know. I'm telling you, it's the reason why we're here. It's the reason why we're here, to, to pursue Jesus as his disciples, and out of that, to bring the kingdom of God in the lives of others. My goal for Refresh is that when we leave, many of us, we will rediscover what it means to pursue Jesus as his disciples. Yeah. All right, so, and last question. Last question. Am I willing to disciple more than 12 people in the next 12 months? It's just a question. Somebody said, you see this man, he set us all up. <laughs> it's a question. I want you to meditate on the question. It's just a question. Am I willing? You can say no, I am not. Then you know where you are. I am not willing to do such an a ridiculous question. Am I willing to disciple more than 12 people in the next 12 months? What about in the next three years? What about in the next five years? Like I said yesterday, when I, when I turned 50, I said to the Lord, I really thank you. I really thank you. The other day, 27th of August. So I really thank you that you've allowed me the privilege to focus on you and your kingdom this way. Because I'll be so ashamed if my legacy was, I have a big church, I have a lot of money, I am doing really well. I'll be embarrassed by all of that. I would. I would be embarrassed. In my younger days, I'd have been really excited. I'd be embarrassed. You know, I was thinking of doing some big fondue for my 50th. And I said to the office, as for this time, my 50th is coming. I want us to have a blah, 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 blah. Then one day I laid there and as I was meditating and just enjoying the Lord, and he, the Spirit of God asked me a question. Do you really want to begin your 50th year focusing on yourself? I said, absolutely not. And then, so I just called the team. I said, cancel everything. Aisha just looked at me and said, seriously, we've been planning this. I said, I don't care what you've been planning. Cancel everything. I'm not interested. Beloved, we must have one pursuit and one pursuit alone. Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's not about us. It's not about how big we are. It's not about me, my legacy. It's not about, it's about Jesus. It really is. And the Great Commission, when you understand it right, it's not about even results. It's about the Lord. If he sends me to ISIS, I'm going. I will cry before I go, but I'm going. I'll be terrified, but I'll still go. I'm serious. If he, I remember many years ago, I had a vision. I saw myself in Iraq. So that is yet to come. And I saw the principalities there. They were very powerful. Very powerful, two powerful ruling spirits. So the time will come, we will go. I saw myself in Saudi Arabia. The time will come, we will go. We went on a prayer mission, intercessory mission. And some of you may come with me. This side said amen, that side just looked at me. <laughs> All right, different levels of anointing within the context of 
the holy, the great commission. In Psalm 47, 42, verse 7, the scripture says, Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Deep calls unto deep at the voice, at the sound or the voice of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. You know what David was saying? I'm going through such a hard time. Everything is just overwhelming me. But this deep is calling unto you deep. Even though I'm going through a tough time, even though I can't seem to cope with what's happening, this deep is calling unto deep. And so when we talk about different levels of anointing, I want to talk about it within the context of this. Whatever you are going through, that seems to overwhelm you, you must call on the deep one. Turn with me to Ezekiel 47 from verse 2 to 6. And I'm going to read this in the NIV version. Ezekiel 47 from verse 2 to 6. And we're going to look at different levels of anointing and of the supernatural and of the move of the Holy Spirit as outlined in these verses. Ezekiel 47 from verse 2. Then he brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured up a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured up another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured up another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured up another thousand, but it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. Now this river of God is a very powerful picture of the move of the Holy Spirit. And most commentators see it as a prophetic revelation as how the gospel advanced from the day of Pentecost. And the river being a type of the advancement of the word of God. And it's so true. And there are many types and shadows. The word of God definitely is a type of water. And so it's very appropriate for that. But it also speaks to us of different levels of experience of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer and in the life of the church. So these five levels are the following. Number one, the riverbank level. Number two, the ankle deep level. Number three, the knee deep level. Number four, the waist level. And number five, immersion. These different levels of the experience of the Holy Spirit can be tied to how God moves in the life of an individual or how God moves in the life of the church or how God moves in the life of a ministry. It can be looked at in many ways. And I want to look at it today in how God moves in your life. And the invitation 
that all of us have to experience more of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're talking about different levels of anointing. And so we must then point out that everyone has an anointing. Say, I have an anointing. Now, the word anointing simply speaks of abilities or capabilities or different things that one is able to do. That's what anointing speaks of. And when we talk about supernatural anointing, what we're saying is the Holy Spirit influencing the ability that we have in order for that ability to do above and beyond what it could naturally do. That's what makes it supernatural. Every believer, everyone actually has an anointing. And I have identified five different anointings within the church that, as I share them briefly, you will find that different aspects may apply to you. Now, in my book, Supernatural Anointing, I go into more detail, so make sure you get it. Amen. Okay, so different levels of, different types of anointing. One is what we call the grace gifts. This is found in Romans chapter 12 from verses 6 to 8. And the grace gifts really are the abilities that God the Father deposits in humanity. God the Father deposits this in humanity. And for you to have any of these abilities, you just have to be born. I don't want to go into it because of time. Secondly, another type of anointing is what I refer to as the believer's anointing. In other words, that which you receive when you get born again. That which you receive when you get born again. Now, the grace gifts are intrinsic in nature. In other words, they are in you whether you recognize them or not. And they are a part of you. So naturally, they are there. Every person has a certain type. There are seven, prophecy, ministry, um, showing mercy, being um, ruler, rulership or administration, different types. They're all there. Some have more than others. Some have one that is dominant. Some have three. Some have all seven. Depends on your assignment. Then you have the believer's anointing, which is foundational in anyone who's born again. Outlined in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. These are five supernatural signs that are supposed to follow believers. He says, in my name you cast out demons, you speak with new tongues, you take up serpents. If you drink anything deadly, it doesn't hurt you. You lay hands on the sick and they recover. These five anointings or five abilities are given to us within the context of sharing the gospel and receiving Christ. And the reason why most of us don't see any of this is because we don't put ourselves in the position for it to be activated. Beloved, we must develop a culture in CLF where the power of God is a norm. Can you say amen? amen. And in the next three years, by the grace of God, we're going to pour the water of the word of God in such a way that within the next three years, the power of God will become a norm in our culture. It's not just a few who can move powerfully, but the ordinary will move powerfully. And that is you. Say amen. amen. Then the next type of anointing within the church is spiritual gifts. What we call spiritual gifts or the manifestation of the spirit. Outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verses 7 to 11. 
Now, there are nine of these, and they fall into three categories, gifts of revelation, gifts of power, and gifts of communication. And these gifts are given as the Holy Spirit wills, and often it comes upon the church in a setting like this, and when people recognize the triggers and they respond, the power of God is released. Again, we don't have time, we won't go into this. Then the next type of anointing is what I refer to as ministering gifts. These are outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verses 28 to 31. These are where God places in the church individuals with certain ministries that serve the body of Christ. Not just the local church, but the body of Christ. He said, God has set in the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, helps, gifts of healings, tongues, interpretation of tongues. These ministries are individuals who function in the body of Christ on these types of administrations. And again, it is God who sets them. God is the one who decides who is able to do this. And then you have what we call ascension gifts. These are sovereignly given to those ordained by God to equip the church so that the church does works of service. They are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, you may find overlaps in some of these, but when you understand the specific context, you can identify what God is doing in your life. And there are some of you here, like Pastor John said, who are apostles. Really, you are apostles. Some of you are prophets. Some of you are evangelists. Some of you are pastors, and some of you are teachers. And there are some of you who are none of these. You're none of these. But you can be apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and you can have a teaching ministry, but you don't stand in this office, and you never will because you're not called to it. Does it make you inferior because God has another assignment for you that is not this? All right, so when we yield ourselves to God and his purposes, what happens is we experience an increase of the spirit of God's presence or anointing upon whatever ability we have. So as you yield yourself to God, that which is already on you and in you begins to be amplified. The anointing and the power of God begins to utilize what you already have. It is not something that is foreign to you. It is something that is already there, but what God does is the Holy Spirit activates what's already in you. You see, you see this in the life of Paul the Apostle. Paul was a scholar. He had been trained as a scholar. So when the anointing came upon him, he could write epistles that, went, that were historical in nature. That goes beyond just helping his generation. But God used that which he had learned as a Pharisee and he anointed it in order to serve the body of Christ. God does not anoint nothing. He anoints something. Give an example of how the anointing works. Remember the child with five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000. What the anointing does is it takes what you have and then shows what God can do with what you have. I pray that you will see what God can do with what you have as you yield yourself to God. 
Whatever anointing we carry, now this is what is so important in what we're trying to say. It is for the purpose of the Great Commission. That is the primary reason why God has given it to us. This is the tragedy of the church today. You think the school you're building is for you? You think that nursery is for you? You think that business is for you? You think being a nurse is for you? You think that whatever career you're going for is for you? No, it's for the kingdom. And it's so that through you, others can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and by your life and by your example, they follow the Christ that influences you in what you're doing. But you know what the enemy has done? He's caused so many to chase money. They want the bottom sterling at the end. What's in it for me? How much money? How much is this worth? And because we use money as the de facto reason why we do what we do, we have what we have. Sand. Emptiness. Like with the vision God has given to us. Sometimes well-meaning men and women will ask me, how are we going to pay for this? And I say, as the Lord provides. And people think that we say this without knowledge. Because you don't know what I tell the Lord. When our church is running out of money, and people say, we're running out of money, I said, don't worry, everything will be okay. Now, when I go to him, I don't say, I'm not worried. I say, look, look what they're telling me. There's no money, Lord. I'm going to be embarrassed. You said you will provide. I'm not doing something. I'm not enriching myself. That's not what we're doing here. Come on, look at the bank account. You can tell. That's what I tell him. So you have to provide the money. You tell us we should plant a church in Kenya. There's no money for Kenya. Provide the money for Kenya. You tell us we have to plant in Sierra Leone. We have to build this. We have to build that. Give us the money. I tell him. But with you, I just say, you know, give us your feel it. You know, give us your... What's the Lord leaves you on your heart? Give you... <laughs> but before God, my Lord, I know I could do tricks and get the money. But then the work will be cursed. And we don't want to, we want everything we're doing to matter. I said, everything you do will matter. Yeah. So the anointing you're carrying is for the Great Commission. John chapter 15, verse 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You show yourself to be his disciple when you bear much fruit. There is a difference between being a convert going to heaven and being a disciple. To be a convert is easy. I receive the Lord Jesus coming to my life. Well, it's supernatural, but it's easy. But you have many converts who are wishing they didn't convert. Because they're not disciples. I mean, there are many people. I mean, come on. We, we, we've seen it so many times. They come in. Yeah, I feel, you know, why did you, why did you come and say, give your life to the Lord? You know, I think I need a change. Life, life I don't really... Uh, there must be more to that. Listen, that's it. that ain't going to help you. I'm just being honest. You've been hoodwinked. That ain't going to help you. That ain't going to cause you to last. Nah, nah, nah. You can't last with, uh, you know, I think it, it will help. It, you know, I think, you know, it's a good idea. You know, you people seem like a really good bunch. That ain't going to help you. I've got 30 minutes left. Don't worry. And I'll be done. <clears throat> that ain't going to help you. No. If you want to be converted to Christ, that's easy. But if you want to be if you want to last, you have to seek to be his disciple. And our Lord is very clear. 
If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. He that will save his life will lose it. And he that will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever will be ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of in the presence of his Father and the holy angels. So let me tell you this straight. I ain't going to lie to you. To be a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ is the most difficult thing you can pursue in your life. Yeah, and that's why there are so few disciples. I wonder how many are in Christian Life Fellowship. I wonder if there are any disciples in the house. I said, I wonder if there are any disciples in the house. I wonder if anybody is pursuing discipleship then. Is anybody pursuing discipleship? I am pursuing. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Not a disciple of Joseph. A disciple of Jesus Christ. And him crucified. And that will cost you. He says the Father is glorified when you bear much fruit. It's not talking about you're successful in business. You're successful with your, with your family. You're bearing much fruit because you're a really nice person. That's not what he's talking about. I think Proverbs 11 I think it's 31. He says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that wins souls is wise. The fruit he's talking about is people. Is people. Is people. The Father is glorified when you bear much fruit by reproducing people who are following his son, Jesus. Verse 16, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You see, again, this is why we don't see so many answers to prayers. Because answers to prayers are directly linked to the pursuit of disciples. Yeah. We, we like to quote, whatever I ask the Father in, in the name of Jesus, he will give it to me. I need a new car. Give it to me. I need a husband. Give it to me. I need a wife. Give it to me. I need a flat. Come on. Give it to me. You can say, give it to me. I need more money. <laughs> I need a fridge. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Then we add the magic wand. In Jesus' name. And we see nothing. Because we've, we've forgotten the context. It's within the context of discipleship. If you are following Christ, you will eventually win people and disciple others. That's the truth. Why? Matthew 4, 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. When you follow in him, you, you will automatically draw people to yourself and you draw them, point them to Christ. All right. So the different levels of anointing. So you have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have an anointing. But now, here's the point. 
What level of the Holy Spirit is your anointing experiencing? So there are five. The first one is the riverbank. The riverbank. This is those who are spectators of the work of the Holy Spirit and his anointing. They watch what is happening. They can commentate. Oh, you know the way you preach, you shout too much. You need to, you need to tone it down. You know, if you want to really make an impact, you should stand in the center and wear a suit. Because when you wear a suit, it hides your big belly, and then we are able to focus on the Word of God instead of that bulge in front of you there. Spectators. Spectators. There are loads of spectators. How many of you watch sports? You know, and you're watching the sport. Say, oh, come on, kick the ball, kick the ball, kick the ball. Run faster, run faster. You yourself. What can you kick? <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of spectators of the work of the Holy Spirit. Was that armchair coaches? Absolutely. Yeah. And when it comes to ministry, it's the same. When it comes to the Great Commission, it's the same. Are you a spectator? Is that what you want to be? Watching. Then the next level is ankle deep. This is the rudimentary experience, the foundation experience of the move of the Holy Spirit. This is where a person has surrendered their life to Christ. They've experienced Jesus. They've received Christ. And, uh, you know, they may even speak in tongues. Shabbat, 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 shabbat. Speak in tongues. Foundation. They, once in a while, they feel, ah, Jesus' name. Ooh, I felt that. Where's Austin? Is he, is he, is, where's my brother? Where, where is he? Is he, okay, fine. When we were younger in the faith, we felt, when we, when we, when we really felt under the anointing, you will see it. Because we go like that. Ah. <laughs> me and Austin were champions at this. I think Austin eventually overtook me. Here we go. <laughs> and you say, hey man, that was powerful. <laughs> Spasmodic experiences. Ankle deep. But concerning you and the anointing you have, what level of the Holy Spirit are you currently experiencing? What level? Then the third level is the knee deep. This speaks of consecration to the work of the Holy Spirit and consecration to the anointing of God. This is where the individual begins to give themselves to the work of God. They begin to want to experience a move of God. They want more than just being saved. They want more than just coming to church. This is a knee-deep level. Ezekiel, as he entered the, the river, first he was on his ankles, then he was on the knees. The knees, it speaks of prayer. It speaks of consecration. And whatever anointing you are carrying, whatever ability you are carrying, have you consecrated it to the Great Commission? Have you consecrated it to making disciples? Have you consecrated it to seeing souls saved? Have you consecrated it to seeing people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus? What level are you at? Number four. Level, waist deep. 
This speaks of a deeper commitment to the work of the Holy Spirit and the anointing, the supernatural anointing. But it is waist deep. In other words, it is half and half. It's not complete. It's not wholehearted. But at the same time, it's better than knee deep. And when you are this way, you will see a measure of success, what we call success. You will see a measure of anointing. And honestly, when I examine myself, at times, many times, I feel like I am this way, half, half and half. I, I, I don't like being half and half, but I feel like I'm this way. Now, half and half is good because you can do a lot with half and half. But beloved, with your anointed, what level is it when it comes to the Great Commission? What level? What level? I mean, are you even at the riverbank when it comes to the Great Commission? Seriously. Ask your neighbor, where are you? Ask your neighbor, where are you? Come on, ask your neighbor, where are you? Yeah. Don't say, I'm in the Hayes Conference. I bet you someone, Austin, would say that. If, I can just imagine my brother Austin. I'm in the Hayes Conference. Enter. <laughs> And then the final level, immersion. This is wholehearted consecration to the work of the Holy Spirit and the anointing. This is where the individual is completely sold out. And let me tell you this. You will find with the anointing you're carrying, in one area you'll be wholehearted, in another area you're not even at the riverbank. I am telling you this now. When it comes to... The Great Commission. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. If you're not intentional, you will discover this. Nothing will happen. Another thing is this. I have found this, and I said this last night, and I want to say it again. As for challenges, after problems, after, uh, as for those kind of things, they come. Peter was sharing his testimony. He's an awesome man of God I respect highly. But one of the things I've said to him over and over again, we as elders are not looking for perfect people. We're not looking for people without flaws. God doesn't look for that, and we certainly have no right to expect that. The issue, we don't anoint and ordain perfect men and women. If you are perfect, die and go to heaven and leave us alone. <laughs> no, it's only those who are perfect who are in heaven. The spirit of just men made perfect. They are in heaven. Here, you will always have a struggle. There will always be something. But when you decide to give yourself wholehearted, to the Great Commission, wherever you currently are will begin to align itself to the will and purposes of God. I don't care what context you find yourself in right now, even if you're going to jail, even if you are convicted of the worst crime, when you give yourself wholehearted to God's agenda for your life, everything begins to synchronize so that it works together for your good. Everything. You will start to change. Again, I say this over and over because I want people to understand this. I know what it's like to battle depression. I know what it's like to feel like giving up. And I know what it's like to be free. And I like 
being free. But I know what it takes to be free. I know what it takes. And one of the things it takes is you don't compromise with the truth. You don't compromise with the truth because the truth at times will hurt you. The truth will hurt you. I was saying to um, some of the guys that sometimes when I go with, to the Holy Spirit about an issue, if I'm upset about something, sometimes it's as if he literally turns his face away from me. Like, I don't want to hear what you have to say until you're willing to humble yourself and forgive that person. Don't even come to me. Yeah. Because at this level, there are certain things he does not expect from me. Unforgiveness is unacceptable. I can't even unforgive, have unforgiveness for one hour. You know, let me enjoy some small bitterness, you know. We're not allowed. Wholehearted consecration. Now, the Lord gives us the invitation. If we are thirsty, he gives the invitation to those who are thirsty and promises a flow of rivers of living water in those who are thirsty for a deeper revelation or anointing of the Holy Spirit, a deep experience. He invites those who are thirsty, but you have to be thirsty. I am thirsty. Are you thirsty? I don't like where I'm at. I want more of God. I want to see God. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I see thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My body longs for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. To see your power in the sanctuary. In Isaiah 55 verse 1, he says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Buy wine. That speaks of the Holy Spirit. Buy milk. That speaks of the word without money and without price because it is the Holy Spirit, his influence, and the word of God that satisfies the deepest thirstings of your soul. He gives us that invitation. He gives us that invitation. Now, I want to conclude on this note. These different levels of anointing you enter them when you begin to call for it, when you begin to seek it. Now, not only is the anointing a mighty river for the body of Christ, like I've been saying, or a river for you to experience, but it is also God's desire that through your life, levels of anointing is being released. Levels of anointing. You know, in John chapter 7, verse 38, the Lord said this. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or his belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. And the next verse said, this spake he of the Holy Spirit who had not been given yet because Jesus was not, glorified, was not yet glorified. It implies this. 
that when Jesus is glorified in the life of an individual, you will see rivers of living water being flowing through them. May you see rivers through your life. May you see rivers through your life. May you see rivers through your life. May you see rivers through your life as you glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. Often, the church is praying for the reign of the Spirit as a great manifestation of revival and miss the fact that God wants to give them a river through their life. The purpose of the rain is to produce rivers. The purpose of the rain is to produce rivers. Often we, we like it. You see, there was a great move that was called the Toronto move. And I believe that was a move of the Holy Spirit. But I believe that many of those who partook of that move missed the point of the move. They saw it as a move that refreshed them. It wasn't. It was supposed to be a move that equipped them. God does not heal us for healing's sake. He heals us for an assignment. And the reason why many of us struggle with the things we struggle with, because we miss the point of connecting with him in order to do his work. I, I'll say it with people, there is no way I can be doing what I'm, I'm doing. There is, it is not possible that I can do what I'm doing without connecting with God on a daily basis, on average, two to three hours a day, in terms of deliberately praying, on average. It's not possible. You think we can do what we're doing consistently for all these years with no real proper holiday, even the holidays work, without connecting. That's why we don't have a breakdown. That's why we don't need pills. That's why we don't need the strength. That's why we don't need that. Because we have the greatest strength. He helps to shrink us properly. Yeah, because I've got so many issues in my own self. I know myself. Some of you know. You know, I don't mind. I'm not a very strong person physically. I was telling my wife. I know God is very smart because if I was, where's my, where's my, my, my son, Emmanuel? Emmanuel, where are you? Emmanuel, how many? Is he in the house? Where is he? Where is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was saying to, I was saying to Aisha, you know, it's not fair, you know. It's not fair. Look at that boy. I remember him as a little boy. Now look at him standing like that. Boogram, boogram, boogram. I said, if God gave that to me, man, the world would be in trouble. Because when I'm walking, you will know I'm coming. So I should say, yeah, that's why he made you like that. <laughs> ah, man, you see some of these people like Lan Ray and them big and strong. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> all kinds of issues. I, I know. I have got all kinds. But the anointing. I need the anointing. Just to live. Just to be normal, I need the anointing. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of issues. We can't, it is not possible for us to do what we're doing. And that's why some of you, you have to fight burnout by seeking God. You have to. You have to fight depression by seeking God. You have to fight oppression of the enemy by seeking God. I believe in going to psychiatrists. I believe in getting counseling. I wouldn't even mind some myself if I can afford it. I, I believe in all that. It's, it's, it's a place. It's nice to go somewhere and just wrap it on about yourself and you know say, "Oh, really? Okay, yeah." Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would. I would. It would be nice. I'm not being fine. You think I'm joking? I remember once I was saying to someone, "Hey, you know, maybe I should." Uh, I mean, 
But look, I can't afford all that. So you know what? And I don't even have time. I'm so busy. So I have to go to the Lord every day. Every day. That's how you are able to last. Look. You see my diary? You look at my diary, you see appointments. Prayer time. Is more important than being in Bishop Les Isaac. Yeah. And that tells you something. Because for me, you know, after Aisha, Bishop Les wants to see me, okay. Why does he want to see me? Okay, I'll see him. I have to. But even him, when, when I'm praying, you dare not come and knock on my office door and say, you have a phone call. I'll come out of the spirit immediately. <laughs> I said, what, 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 what's the matter? It, this better be good. Oh, yeah, you, you have a phone call. Uh, and, and, so, and so what? What, what? If somebody died, is there an earthquake? Is the world about to end? I'm talking to God. Come on. Of course, when I go back in prayer room, and he said, now go back and apologize. The office don't tell you, so I come back. Uh, I'm sorry, the way I said that, I, I didn't, I didn't say it properly. I was very, I'm a bit hungry as well. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> when he says go and apologize, it's not just say sorry. You have to tell them why you were being such an idiot. So I have to, because otherwise I'll go back and say no. Go back again and tell them exactly what's going on. So now I look like a double idiot. So I have to go and say, look, I said what I said because you know what? At the time. I felt like you were not being nice to me. and I, I have to say the real reason. So they would look at me like, it's, it's okay, weirdo. You know, what, is this guy the real pastor of this church? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to connect with the anointing, it's like that. You have to be willing to go all out. All out. I'm concluding. I'm concluding. I'm concluding. So in conclusion... We need the reign of the Spirit, yes. But we need the reign of the Spirit in order for the river to flow through our lives. I want us to pray.